Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. I've got Coach Christy here with me today, and we are going to be talking about building relationships in government contracting. But before we do that, Coach Christy, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me join you today. My name is Christy Pittman, also known as Coach Christy, and I was a federal contractor myself, built my own business with my former spouse, started in 2006. We sold lots and lots to the government as well as commercial clients, but we really learned a lot about government contracting and trying to understand how to navigate that maze. You know, it was really hard in the beginning, but once we learned, we mastered it. We sold our company in 2015. And since then, I've been helping other small businesses learn how to navigate this complicated maze of government contracting and how to make the most of it and honestly become one of the best clients that they have. That's awesome. You know, I find that anybody that can even, you know, sell or get awarded two, three, four contracts, they're are so far ahead of everybody else in the pack that if you're consistently winning contracts year over year, you have mastered the game because most people get in this business. And I think I put a stat out the other day where a lot of people get in and like half of them don't even win a contract in their first three to five years. There's another percentage, 25% or so that eventually just get ticked off and tired and just quit. So you're talking about 75% of people that get in the business, either never win a contract or take three to five years to do it. And then they don't always replicate that success for the people that are successfully doing it and then build a business and sell it. You've clearly mastered what it takes to be successful. And I know one of your biggest secrets, if you will, if that's how you want to look at it, is building relationships. And it's quite different to build a relationship in the government market than anywhere else. Because I know a lot of people are like, well, there are these government robots, contracting officers and whatever. How do you build a relationship with them? I want to kind of dive in. And what is so different, in your opinion, about building relationships in this market versus every other market that's out there? I love the commercial market. And of course, I've spent many, many, many years in corporate America, working with the corporate market, the commercial market. And it was easy enough to say, hey, let's grab a bite to eat. Let's go for lunch. Let's go to a hockey game. Showing up with lunch. Of course, I wanted to sell my value and all that. But building that relationship in that kind of way, was it was pretty easy. So when I learned about the government market and learned you can't do that, yeah. you can't take them out to a football game or buy them a jersey. And so how do you really make that relationship? And then I also realized that, okay, you can't buy them. But what was really cool about the government market is they've become pretty loyal. And the reason is because they can't just use anybody. So in the commercial market, they can just pick up the phone and say, hey, ABC Plumbing, I need this plumbing, help me out. In the government market, that's not the case. In the government market, they have a very limited number of suppliers that they can actually call upon. So once you do have that relationship, they become very loyal once you perform well and they can call upon you and you're again you're one of those few people so those are the two big differences one you can't buy them and number two is once you are in they really become quite loyal to yeah. you yeah absolutely what do you think in your opinion is like the key to actually building that relationship obviously once you've won a contract and you're talking to them more and doing all those kind of things but before i've won a contract how do you like warm them up to that relationship what's like one or two of your big tips on that only one or two i or, have 20 you have 20 you have 20 <laughs> but also just keep it we have time for two or three okay great first of all it's hard to get to know them right and i was very fortunate in the very beginning our industrial supplier actually introduced me to some of the buyers of the va the door was kind of cracked open a little bit a little bit so i was able to step in there and be able to communicate value really when they started asking me for quotes they started 
asking me, can you find me this? Can you help me with that? I was super, super responsive. So I made mm. a point to always answer my phone the first time, I mean, right when it rang and I saw that it was the VA, I picked up the phone immediately. They never play that voicemail game. Yeah. They felt like somebody was always right there ready to help them. Another thing was whenever they placed an order, I wanted to know when it would be delivered before they ever asked. So mm. before they asked any question, hey, Christy, where's my stuff? I always said, hey, you're going to get your stuff next Monday or whenever they can expect it. So they never had to ask the question. Hmm. So answer the phone right away, making sure they had all the answers before they asked the question. And of course, Sales 101, build a rapport. A lot of people, when they start with government contracting, they're kind of afraid of the buyers or of the contracting officers. And it might be a little intimidating, but they're people just like you mm -hmm. and me. They want to talk about themselves. They want to talk about their family and their adventures, their trips, their plans. So having that rapport, go for it. And I think that that really helps to build the relationship. Are you struggling to figure out how to get to the next level? If so, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. There's a link in the description for this podcast where you can actually click on that link and grab a time on my calendar. We'll set aside 30 minutes, talk about your business. I'll give you some tips and strategies to help you get to that next level. And if it makes sense and you want to talk about coaching, I could talk about some of those coaching options as well. So click the link in the description and I look forward to meeting you one-on-one -on -one for your strategy session. Now let's get back into this episode. Those are really good ones. I love that to me, the being responsive one, I just don't understand the lack of response from a lot of companies. You'll send them an email, you'll leave a voicemail, and that's the only way to contact them or it's a form on their website and you don't hear back for days. Or like you'll hear back a week or two later saying, hey, this is my favorite thing when you get the can response that says, you're a priority to us and we'd like to get you scheduled two weeks from now. This just happened to me, not to bash Home Depot on the podcast, but we were looking at some fencing. I saw a note that said, contact us here about fencing to schedule your appointment. I sent in the thing and it was literally about 10 days and I get this text and it's like, hey, this is Heather over at Home Depot. We're so excited. You're interested in fencing and call this number if you need to talk to us before 10 days from now. And I'm like, I needed to talk to you 10 days ago. And now it's like almost a month out. I find that to be one of the biggest pet peeves because like to me, if I've called you and you didn't answer, I'm picking up the phone and calling the next person on the list until I get someone to answer. So by the time you've taken 10 days to reach me, I've probably already ordered whatever I'm ordering. Absolutely. And I think on a small level, like where it's their impact card or a smaller purchase, I think that's definitely the case. They're not going to wait around yeah. day to do something like that. So I think that's a really great tip. I love that stuff and, and getting to know them a little bit better and asking questions. What worked for me was the fact that I actually wasn't in sales when I met our customers. And I just had somebody ask me yesterday, they said, what's the fastest way to find a new BD person? And I said, go find somebody in your support desk and promote them. Find somebody who knows all the customers and promote them into sales and teach them sales. Because that's what worked for me. When I got into sales, I actually knew all of our customers. I knew them on a first name basis. I know this guy works at this agency and this is his job and what he does. These are his five problems he has with our software. I knew all of that stuff prior to me getting in sales. Obviously not everybody can do 
that, but the more you know about the customer, it sure does help with the rapport building and all that kind of stuff. I love that, Michael. And you were in the support. So you had an easy relationship with your clients. So many people are intimidated by sales, but that's it. Exactly. You just get comfortable with people, build a nice rapport, solve their problems, Hmm. and don't come across salesy. I think that is what makes a great salesperson. Yeah. I think everybody's situation, but in mine specifically, the salespeople were never calling about bad things or issues or stuff like that. But everybody that was calling me was either ticked off or on the verge of being ticked off. And so when you could solve a problem and then be like, I'm so happy that you helped me and all that kind of stuff, it's instant credibility. That's really helpful. But now you're taking somebody who's not necessarily happy with your product and turning them into a raving fan of your support. It really turns things around. So that's why I think some of the best salespeople are lurking in your support department. Absolutely. Yeah, they're just there. And they're happy to make that leap over and actually help those customers. Think about it from this perspective. When I got to make that switch and then I got promoted very quickly and I was basically Mm -hmm. running that company, I went from the guy in support who would be like, man, why can't we make this change to telling the development team, you're going to make this change because this is a priority for our customers. And then the customers loved us even more. They knew we were on their side and not just protecting the company and like, just suck it up. When the next version comes out, you'll be fine. We were like, no, we're going to speed this up and take care of you. And so, which kind of leads me to my next question. Tell me about some of your, or maybe your toughest customer and kind of how built a relationship with them through whatever the challenges were. I love that. What you just said, it just made me think about, it's not just about selling or giving them what they need, but it's about, let me give you a challenge and let me see how you step up to the plate. And so I always looked at a challenge, not as a problem, but as an opportunity. So I actually welcome them. That's what separates us, right? From whatever everybody else is doing. And that's what I learned from one of my toughest customers. His name was Joe and he was at the VA. Oh man, he gave me a run for my money. Now, let me tell you, we sold maintenance, repair and operations products and services. I mean, I was bored. I'm like, okay, we got a hammer and we got some um, drills and saws or whatever. And I I didn't care about this stuff at all other than I knew that I could sell them. So one of my customers, he knew I wasn't really savvy with how to do plumbing at a VA hospital. And so he would train me and he would teach me, here's what I need and here's exactly what it needs to do. He was a tough customer. Like, Christy, I expect this from you and I expect this kind of service and I expect you to understand it. But he took time to teach me. So I did my best to listen and learn and take notes. He was one of my toughest customers. And whenever he called, I'd see it on my caller ID. I'd be like, shoot. (laughs) But can I tell you, he became my most favorite person. He helped me to grow. He helped me understand. And I was always on point. Like he told me, he said, it's nice. You're going to offer me great service, but I'm going to see what happens when the rubber meets the road, when I have a problem, how you're going to solve it. So sure enough, something got delivered incorrectly. And the company was like, nope, tough duty. It's final sale, whatever. And I was able to track back back, get a hold of the owner and make it right for my VA client. And he was very impressed. So eventually he introduced me to a company that was in water treatment that I was able to partner with on their supplies and some of their services and established this amazing relationship that we had locally, but it expanded to a national relationship. So Mm. we were able to work with them on many VAs all across the nation. And not only that, because of that relationship that Joe introduced me to, this company was in water treatment and I wanted my daughter to learn about it because she was in college studying biology. And so she interned with this company and she ended up getting a full-time job with this company. And now she's a consultant in water consulting. So because of this tough relationship that I had, this really tough buyer, Joe, at the VA, 
it helped me to grow as a person as a business professional, but also my daughter. So it impacted me not only professionally, but personally too. The concept is here, don't look at things as a challenge or a problem, but look at those types of things as an opportunity and be grateful that that gives you a chance to shine. And that's a great way to build a relationship. You know, I've had some customers that were just trouble customers you know, over the years that literally no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. You're not going to make them happy. There's just some people like that. And I've had other customers that were difficult. They just wanted you to do it right. And they wanted a certain level of professionalism. And as a younger person doing this, I mean, I was in my early 20s when I first got into government contracting. I didn't know a lot of that stuff. I was very fortunate to have some of those tough customers that taught me about being more professional and how you do things, how you write things, how you send an email, how you, whatever it may be. And I had leaders around me that were a little tough on things like that, that really helped me a lot too. And I look back fondly now, I was embarrassed in the moment when you get called out in front of 20 people in the room, but I look back now and go, I learned a lot from that experience, you know, as humbling and as it was, you definitely learn a lot from the tough customers who just want it done right. One of the things I found is I didn't realize this early in my career, but I had a few customers do this to me. I was working at a hosting company one time and this guy came in and he came in at the, like the lowest level product we had, but it was like an entry level type of thing. I was so embarrassed because we screwed up like setting up like his email accounts and whatever. And so I called the guy proactively. That was something you mentioned earlier about proactively handling the problem. Called him proactively, handled the problem, wiped out his fees for the month, whatever. Didn't hear from him. And then a couple weeks later, he bought something else small. He, he was testing us and we didn't know it. He bought something else small. Oh, wow. It got screwed up again, but I was proactive. I just happened to be involved. I was proactive. I jumped in there and handled it. And then like two weeks later, he committed to this multi thousand dollar contract because of our support. We just landed like a $75,000 contract from this guy who started with a $39 a year email account. You've told us about doing a lot of different work at the VA. You were fortunate enough to be introduced through a supplier. How do you recommend our listeners get in on those ground floor relationships with people they don't know? There's many ways to do that. I would think one of the most important things is they need to be procurement ready, that they look like real professional players. And I know you all teach a lot about how to become procurement ready, but making sure that SBA profile is just right is so important because that's oftentimes the first place that they go to find Mm. you. One of my really big clients, it was a a DOD client, found us on our SBA profile. We had it just right. And so he was able to say, you look like a real professional organization. We had past performance on there. Michael, for your listeners, one of the things is so important to contracting officers when they are looking at suppliers to make a decision is reducing risk. How do you reduce that risk? You want to be found correctly and you want to be able to have enough value and enough credibility in those places so that they choose to pick up the phone and call you or give you a chance. So that SBA profile is so important. Your website is so important. Your capability statement, just making sure there's no grammar problems, making sure it's just right. That's super important as well. And also, communicating your value through that past performance or however it is that sets you apart 
apart from your competitors, those differentiators, it's going to help reduce risk as well. So being procurement ready in that way is fantastic. I would always say that that's number one, but how else can they get to know you? How else can you have a rapport with them? You want to be able to start bidding on some opportunities. And I'm not a huge proponent of cold bidding. I, I prefer like warm mm -hmm. bidding, but sometimes it takes some cold bidding to actually start that relationship where you start asking some questions and getting to know some of the buyers is great. Even better would be the RFIs or the sources sought and being able to start communicating and building rapport that way and showing that you are knowledgeable in your field. And that's all becoming like a guru and what it is that you do. And whenever you're able to communicate that you are a guru in your industry and you can back it up with some great past performance, you can put that in your sources sought reply or any of your proposals. That's going to be super helpful. And that's a great way to get the door open because it's not always easy. They don't always answer the phone, do mm -hmm. they? That's right. And that was probably one of my final questions is what is one of your favorite ways to approach someone, whether it's on the phone, through an email? I mean, do you have a preference on that? Regardless of which route you go there, what is the key things that you would typically say to bring their guard down and actually get them to talk to you? or get them to write you back or call you back? Do you have any tips on that? That's a great question. So the government buyers, whether it's a contracting officer or even an end user, or maybe even a small business person, they are most interested in talking to you when they have a need. So rather than just cold calling them and saying, hey, I'm ABC Plumbing and I have this for you. I like to look at the forecast. I like to look at the strategic plan. Like the VA has a strategic plan for the next five years. So let me become familiar with that and see if there's any need that I can help fulfill. So getting familiar familiar with that, getting familiar with the forecast, also getting very familiar with the agency, and then getting familiar with whoever it is that you're calling. Find them on LinkedIn, connect with them on LinkedIn, get to know them. And so when you make that first phone call, you're very specific. This is Christy. I'm calling from XYZ Company. I've been working with the government. They love to hear I've been working with the government for 10 years. <laughs> they want to hear that because they're like, oh, I don't have to teach you, right? Like you That's get right. this. That's right. right. I saw this opportunity in your forecast, and I know it's not until Q4, but I'd like to get ahead of the game a little bit and understand your needs even better so that I'm perfectly situated and ready to respond when it comes out. Hopefully they'll start talking to you, giving you more information, maybe give you some data, maybe even put you in touch with a program manager or an end user. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Yep. And then you can really get some information, get some insight, build some relationships, but they want to know you researched. That's yeah. what they want to know. They don't want to hear, hey, I'm a veteran-owned small business <laughs> and I see that yeah. you, you owe me and you're not meeting your veteran-owned small business goals and you need to buy my fencing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even better. Hey, you know, we're thinking about protesting this thing because we don't oh think you did God. something. I was just talking to even somebody worse. yesterday. Yeah. I was talking to somebody yesterday and I'm like, if you ask me, Hey, should I protest? I'm going to say no. Yeah. And I don't even know the specifics because most of the time it's such a waste. And I know there's attorneys listening to this that are cringing, but you know, the thing is most of the time it, it is a waste. So focused on protesting these days for just any reason. It's just such a waste of time. And no one wants that that to be their first interaction with yeah. you. Talk about getting off on the wrong foot. Yeah. I had one client who was always quoting the FAR to them. You should do mm -hmm. it this way because the FAR says, I'm like, you got to stop this. Stop. They would forward me emails and say, look at this contracting officer just blew me off. Yeah, I would have blown you off too. Or they're asking for information and they say, the FAR says that I can ask for this. And they're like, just put in a FOIA request. I'm not helping you. That is not building a relationship. <laughs> and is, you know what? 
there's so many contracts. Yeah. Government's buying so much, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars and stuff. So, okay, I didn't win that one. Let's go on to the next. Yeah, you know, it comes up repeatedly when I'm having conversations or I'm giving a presentation somewhere and I'll say, hey, is anybody having trouble? And they're like, there's this one contracting officer and they won't buy from me. What is there, a few thousand? Con- Why are you so fixated on forcing this one person to buy from you? Go get somebody else in the agency to buy from you. Go to another agency. There's so many more and you're stuck because like you've got these blinders on and you want right. this person to buy from you. That's not building a relationship. Go build a relationship with somebody who's open to building a relationship. To me, it's that simple. I like all the tips you've given today. I really like the one about being specific because I think that just allows people to answer a question. Here's a question. Here's an answer versus the generalized questions yeah. that are so difficult. The other tip that I really like is getting ahead of the game because I think a lot of people see something and like, ooh, this is due on Thursday and it's Wednesday. So I'm going to call them up and the time pressure is just too much. It's too much for people. Getting ahead of the game is really smart because you can take the time to actually get to learn that person. Thank you for coming on and talking about all this stuff today. Do you have any parting final thoughts for folks about relationship building? Yeah. So one of my favorite things, I guess is part of being a salesperson, but anybody can put this in place is no doesn't mean no. No just means not yet. So I love that. And, and being in government business development, you could literally hit people, you know, not hit them, but an email, a visit, a piece of mail, yeah. fat, whatever. You can hit them like 15 times and you still never hear anything. But on that 16th time, you might have a huge opportunity. So that's something really big about with the government. Like you started with, people get frustrated and yeah. they're like, oh, I didn't get any contracts. I'm going to quit. Don't quit. Because this opportunity is so huge. And like I said, they become very loyal. So once you get your foot in the door, they stick around. So no doesn't right. mean no. No just means not yet. Yeah. Keep it up. Don't be annoying. Continue to communicate value gently, communicating value, becoming the guru. And then eventually they see you. Like I said, they don't probably call you back until they're ready. They don't, they have the need. Yeah. They'll think, oh yeah, let me call that Christy. Let me call that Michael or whoever it is. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing when they call you. And you know, sometimes they're calling you with an opportunity that did not go out to bid. And so you're one of the very few have a chance Mm -hmm. to quote on an opportunity. Really good. Great advice. I really appreciate you coming on today. I'm sure we'll have you on in the near future. For those that want Christy's contact information, that will be up on our website as usual. And once again, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Michael. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. If you have a suggestion for a topic or a guest, please reach out. We are always looking for new guests, new topics, and things that you want to hear about. Thank you for your support, and we'll see you next episode.